Welcome to Mercedes Second Chance Podcast, where we share real life stories about addiction, getting clean, and being given a second chance. Well, hello, I'm Mercedes, and this is Mercedes Second Chance Podcast. And today I have the honor of sitting with Tony V, a good friend of mine. Tony, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Tony V. I'm in recovery, just celebrated 10 years and just do a lot of cool stuff in the community. You know, I got afforded a lot of opportunities with my second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances that, that, that I got, you know. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I call it the second chance because it's like the one you took. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, because I've gotten probably a whole bunch. I don't know. But um, it's a metaphor. No, so when I met you, see, because I've seen you before you've seen me. It was at the meeting by the waterfront, and you were chairing a meeting. You might have just been in the house, but your your employees – were there and they talked about how great you are yeah no you chaired them you, you, yeah, yeah you celebrated a meeting over like there eight years or something mm-hmm. yeah, I remember and that, i was yeah. just coming out I had a treatment i had a year and i remember they talked about like working for you and how you were like a mentor and you know you just treated them with a lot of respect and stuff like that and i thought wow you know like it just it said a lot and everyone was there everyone there was so supportive of you and i was like i want to get to know that guy and um things happened to where i was able to kind of get around you more um, and see what you do, and I'm just like really blown away, and um, I appreciate you for the opportunities you give me, you know, in return. Um, so looking at you, I couldn't tell that you're an addict, right? right yeah. Um, but you've got a story. I so, do. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear it. How did it start? Well, my life. Where did I start at? Oh yeah. man. Um, so I'm 37 now. I'm getting older, uh, wiser, I guess, smarter. There you um. Go. But, yeah, my my life started in uh, Pocatello, Idaho, you know, in the middle of Idaho. Um, My family is all, you know, pretty much pretty poor, Um, a lot of addiction, a lot of poverty, a lot of crime. And my mom, you know, who's who's dead now, she died in a fentanyl um, accident uh, when I was 21. But she got pregnant when she was 15 by my father. Um, who was young and they were into drugs and partying and stuff. And uh, anyway, so that that's that's where it started. And then you know my my dad, he um he went and had three kids with my mom's sister. Oh, <laughs> so, oh no! Yeah, yeah. my we dad. Got, like, yeah, rolling, sister, rolling brother stone. Cousins. Sister, brother, cousins. Yeah, yeah. Aunt okay. Setter, your stepmom. Yeah, all all that stuff. Yeah, my mom and my aunt are like that. <laughs> yeah, their, their dads are brothers. So, you know, so that, I mean, that's, that's where, you know, Tony was born and, you know, and it's interesting cause I was, I was born, you know, dead. So I was born dead. Um, what do you mean? like I was just like not breathing. I don't know, umbilical cord around my neck or, you know, and, and the, the doctor who delivered me was drunk or something. My mom said, I don't remember exactly, but the doctor was drunk. Yeah. Dang. She wasn't drunk. No. The doctor was drunk. Okay. No. So, you know, um, so I don't know what that's about, but you know they were able to resuscitate me and bring me back to life. And then, wow. uh, and then my mom met some dude, my stepfather, and then she bounced from Idaho because, you know, like her and her sister were beefing over my dad, okay. and so like people were like beating my mom up and stuff, and like when she was pregnant, trying to like take me out at an early age or whatever. Um, and so my mom dipped out of Idaho. 
you know, and left and, and uh, went down um, to to Camas, Washington, to Vancouver, and then to Camas. And so that's where I grew up with my mom, my stepfather, and then later on my half-sister. Uh, so we were, like, kind of poor. Not super poor, but poor enough because, like, my stepdad was going to do the work, and then he had a drinking problem. So we lived, like, in a duplex in, in Camas, Washington, which is a really affluent town. Okay. Camas is really affluent over in Washington. It's one of the most affluent towns in Washington State. Oh, wow. And so I grew up kind of, like, poor. Um, but the trippy the trippy part was, and then so as I, as I look back at my addiction, I think about, like, where where was I like fractured? Where, where did I begin to like break away from who I was and who I could be and stuff, you know? And where was my identity fractured? And one of the things was like being poor already, I felt insecure, but like when I would go to school, the trippy thing was I didn't know my stepdad wasn't my real dad. So it, it really, it was trippy growing up, right? Yeah. And so there's this weird dynamic at the house where my stepsister, I thought she was my real sister and I was treated differently and stuff. It was just a trip. But um, my last name, my, my parents never, like, my stepdad never adopted me, so I had multiple last names legally. So I was going to school, and they would be like, I remember at, like, the beginning of every school year, they'd be like, Vizina, um, King, T, are you here? And I'd be like, my name's Tony Kingsley. That's what I thought. Tony Kingsley, that was my stepdad's last name. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, okay. And so they'd have to change it, and I couldn't, like, wrap my mind around it. And, uh, like, my stepdad was alcoholic and, you know, and, like, just rough or whatever. And so I went through a lot. But, like, I just couldn't, like, understand my circumstances and why, like, I was treated poorly in my house and stuff. And then uh, and then my grandma, like, broke it, broke me off and told me, like, what? Yeah, like, at yeah. a young age, like, Santa Claus isn't real. You know, that's why you don't get as many presents as your sister. That's not your dad. <laughs> That's not your dad. <laughs> oh, no. Your dad's in Idaho. Robert, Rochelle, and Margaret are your cousins and your brothers and sisters, and here's what happened. That's a cold grandma. Yeah, my grandma's tight. Yeah, I got my grandma's back, dude. My grandma's just like 5'2", had like I love seven it. I love kids. little grandmas. Yeah, my grandma's dude. 4'11". You know, my <laughs> grandma grew up in, you know, it's, you know, in Idaho, lived in a trailer park, make no money, you know, so kids clothes and make some shoes like whatever it took you know to take care of her family she was just like rock solid um it's just so bebopping around today uh but anyway so she told me all that and that really fractured me like if that that was like a chapter in my life that I remember right like after that day understanding all of that I took that all on personally like I personalized that like there was something inherently wrong with me because of the circumstances of my life and and I like I was jaded and I let that maybe like dissuade me from doing more positive things but also like I like to tear shit up like I was young and I like to like tear shit up and break the rules and uh, I was angry you know I played sports and stuff uh, but I was like just kind of angry and indifferent, and then I found drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. and um, alcohol was prevalent in my house already because my stepdad was alcoholic. Uh, you know, so like drink with him, going hunting and stuff sometimes. But um, 
but I found more like an identity in that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, crime, like some crime. I wasn't like gang banger, hurt people type, fighter type crime, but just like misdemeanor crime, used in drugs, you know what I mean? Staying out late, trespassing. <laughs> yeah, okay. you know, like breaking shit. You uh-huh. know, I've never been like a real violent person or anything. My father is. My father is a violent person. But anyways, um, so started using and stuff and the interesting thing when i when i think back is like people talk about how they use drugs and they like have like the like this moment of clarity you know where everything's great like i had that sometimes but i also had really bad experiences using right you know where where people would be like okay if i use that much and drink that much i'm gonna like be in the hot tub at the party and puke everywhere and make a fool of myself. And so I'm not going to do that again. Right. But you're like, nope, I do it. I was just like, okay, well maybe I was like, I'm not going to do that much. But every time I would, I would use so much, you know what I mean? At a young age, you know, and the interesting thing is nobody ever kind of told me about this idea of like, you have, you you potentially have a disease, right? Right, Like the the disease concept didn't come for, for like a way later. So anyways, you know, when you're involved in committing crimes and stuff, you know, I was in and out of juvenile detention, run away from home, you know, just chilling at trap houses and stuff at a young age. And so I didn't like get involved in a lot of positive things at a young age, you know? Yeah. I just mostly was like floating around, trying to get high for free, trying to party and find some girls. Like that was kind of my thing. Yeah. You know, um, I'd always like, have my looks, you know, that always got me somewhere, like I go weasel something, you know, uh, and stay at people's houses and stuff. And that's what I had, you know, growing up. And so then the problem started happening uh, in my teenage years. And so what I started was I started doing the geographic to grandma's. You know what I mean? I don't want to live here. I'm going to go to grandma's house. Right. So I bounced down to grandma, live with grandma in the double wide trailer with half the other grandkids who were getting in trouble and whose parents didn't know how to take care of them. You know, and so I started this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and I didn't graduate high school. And I remember, you know, I remember being really young and people telling me like, you have potential, you know, like mm. you're, you're wasting your potential. Mm. Like, you have talent and stuff that other people don't have. Even without and you not graduating high school. All that. Like just because I just, knew. yeah, just like with math and school, like if I did anything, like I would do a good job, right? Mm-hmm. And so people would be like, you have this wasted talent. And, and I look back, and for, and for a long, let me say, like for a long time, mm-hmm. I was so jaded and uh, unwilling to take responsibility for my own life for whatever reason, you know, but I never saw like the hands that were out. trying to help me i only looked at the bad things that happened to me right and and refused to look at the the opportunities the good things the positive aspects despite all of the messed up stuff that i went through as a kid and i went through a lot you know a lot of trauma and drama and shit but there was people who had their hands out and i remember now like looking back like after i got into recovery and i looked back i was like oh like that teacher was really Right. trying to get me and these other people were trying to reach out to me and help me that cop was actually trying to help me mm-hmm. you know what i mean right. like like looking back it's like a different perspective but you know anyway so but that disease mind wants to isolate you and make you think you have no friends no one's helping you nobody's looking out for you you're all alone you're by yourself yeah, everybody poor, hates uh, you yeah poor tony 
Poor Tony. You right. Know, yeah, somebody give me something. Right, know? right. <laughs> it's they it's like victim mentality. If you live what I lived through, you would drink too. You'd <laughs> yeah, get high too. Yeah, like yeah. Somebody needs to give mm-hmm. me something for free. Mm-hmm. My, my parents, you know, don't have any money, you know, so subsequently, like, I need some free stuff. Right. Or right. whatever, like, that I was yeah. in, on. How we all do. <laughs> right. Yeah, people do. It's like, you know, I didn't believe in myself, Um, you know, which is something that, you know, I've struggled with over the years, even despite all the things I've been able to accomplish. Uh, I'm getting better, though, at it. Good. But anyway, so I remember... I was like 18, 17, 18, sitting on the grass, you know, outside of the football stadium in Camas, uh, Washington, the high school football stadium, and I was getting high, and it was the graduation ceremony, and everybody was walking and getting, you know what I mean, their graduation certificate, Uh and I was sitting with this one other dude, Anthony uh, Martin, who actually just like... And he donated to 4D the other day. I was like, okay, that's cool, wow. man. Some people are making it out. Some people aren't. But um, but anyways, he, you know, uh, me and him were there smoking. And we were just like, like, look at those, like, losers. Losers. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? But y'all smoking. Hi. Right. You got nothing it. going. Nothing, right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, shit. You know? So so that was going on, you know? And, and so there's some like chapters in my life that are really important. I talked about like that moment where I was fractured and broken and hurt trauma, whatever they want to call it. Like that like fractured me. Like when I was young, I figured out what my family dynamics were. And then, you know, as I got older, one of the things, one of the things that I wanted desperately that I, like my ego needed so bad is that I needed my mother to choose me over my stepfather. You know, and mm-hmm. she didn't. She stayed in a relationship with someone who was abusive to me. You know what I mean? And and it really pissed me off, and it really made me insecure about who I was. Validated you, because it's like, you're not good enough. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, as I got older, my mom finally left my stepfather. And this is right around I was 18 years old. And I had experimented with all sorts of drugs. But then I was, like, partying, drinking a lot, smoking hella weed, um, doing a little maybe blow or whatever. I don't know if you've seen. Oh, you're not on social media. There's like these funny uh, little TikToks. Anyways, uh, do, uh, this guy's like, I just do a little too. It's so funny. But <laughs> so, anyways, uh, um, people were starting to do pills in my town, mm-hmm. oxys. And I had kind of messed with them a little bit, but like not too much. And then my mom left my stepfather, and then she had got prescribed like a ton of oxycontin 80s like a t- oh, like no. a ton yeah like economically changing amounts of oxys right. like a thousand 80s and i could sell them for 45 bucks a pop and uh and i was like doing like little landscaping side job like living with some friends or whatever bouncing around and uh and then that hit and that changed my life one thing that it did is it brought me and my mom it, it brought us to have a relationship around Drugs, yep. Mm-hmm. And me and her got really strung out, and I was selling them, making a bunch of money. And uh, and I remember, so then I remember this is a cool piece. So then I remember I had realized that I was physically dependent on these, I had run out and I was hella sick and I couldn't get any. And I remember I was like, This is bad, <laughs> right? I was like, This is not good, 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, I need to quit. I'm going to detox. I'm going to lay in his bed at this house and I'm going to detox and get off of these. And then this girl came and her name's Sophia. And, uh, this, this girl came, um, and, uh, and I was like, oh man, I want to show up for this girl. And so then I, I and I am getting some, but I, I remember I was like, <laughs> that's on, important. I was like, well, like I got some pills. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Right. But, but I was like trying to, like, I wanted to get with this girl, mm-hmm. but I, I got some pills to get well so I could be there at the party and this and that, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I look back at that window and I was like, man, I was so close to not becoming a heroin addict. Right. You know, and I had enough, you know, I was cognizant enough to realize exactly what I was starting to mess with. You know, drugs out there, you know, drugs alcohol are bad. I think maybe I had some, that was like your moment of clarity. Well, like, yeah, this bad. is next level bad. Right. Okay. And so, anyway, so I didn't, I got real deep into it. And then, you know, the, the pill farm where my mom was getting the pills from mm-hmm. shut down. Like, the feds broke it into it. They found out about it or whatever. Cause there was all these like places you could go to get all these pills from, like, these people would prescribe you, right? And they were making bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they were getting paid by the pharmaceutical companies. Is this where your mom got her last? No. So all of a sudden, my mom got her script cut way down. Uh And the whole market of pills dried up. They became super expensive just because economics, right? Supply and demand. And that's when the heroin came in for all the young people. Right. And was introduced to us as you could use it in a spray bottle. Uh Uh-huh. And so it wasn't like injecting it, you know, it was like you could use it in a spray bottle and it was cheaper. And so we all started using heroin. So that's just how the economics worked and the market worked around it. You know what I mean? And now we see that, you know, pharmaceutical companies are being held accountable for that. But that's, I, I guarantee that that was a microcosm of a lot of different places. And so that's, that changed my life when I started using heroin. Um, and then I, I began, I was still with the Sophia chick and then uh, her parents hated me, man. I don't know, blame them, but... Um, anyways, we were like off and on this and that. And, uh, and I, anyways, I end up, we end up getting pregnant and, um, and I left to Idaho to try to get, <clears throat> you know, clean later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was like the time where I really started to realize I need to change my life when, when I started to have kids. And the reason that was important to me is because I, I remember being very young and very sad and very indifferent and like laying in my bed and like dreaming of a place and like somewhere else, like a different life, a different, I don't know, maybe I was a different person. I, I don't know. Just no, not, not in my circumstances where I was accepted and loved. And, and I have made a commitment to myself that if I had kids, I would never allow my children to feel the way that I felt, yeah. you know, and it was like, mm-hmm. it was really impactful for me. And I was like really serious about that commitment. So once Sophia got pregnant, I was like, I have to change, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what to do. And now, I didn't, I didn't right. realize how hard it was going to be and, and the lengths that I was going to have to go to change my entire life to successfully overcome addiction. Right. You know, and, um, around that same time, uh, my mom died so she you know and it was like like looking back it was like it sucked that she passed away but me and her had to we had a moment 
where I was I forgave her for what I went through and I understood where she came from and how she felt dependent on this man who had Mm -hmm. like who had everything in his name had all of the money and she felt trapped and didn't 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 see a way out now whether or not that was true is another thing like another argument I can make to somebody but that's how she felt and I got to understand that and then I'd always ask why she chose like him and my sister over me and you know and she was like well I knew that you were tough enough to do it on your own that's what she said and I was like like damn so like she really compli- uh, uh, thought about this right like um, contemplated it so she she had must have been thinking about it enough so anyways but you know and then but when she when she died my my addiction took another chapter so my it mom progressed. yeah my, my mom died and then I started using intravenously mm. and uh and then, like, that, you know, that mixed with, like, having a kid, like, that was just the, the big struggle for me. And um, and I started bouncing from Portland to Idaho, Portland to Idaho, Utah, you know, Hawaii. I went all over the place trying to figure it out, chasing Sophia somewhat uh, until I just ended up homeless on Portland streets for, like, two or three years, in and out of jail, just homeless. Still in, getting a little money from grandma, getting a little money from Sophia when I could, you know. I gave my grandma need 20 bucks for some food, you know, Western Union it to me, you know. This is before Venmo and shit like that. But uh, so anyways, that was like the turning the turning point for me was my kids. <coughs> and uh, and, you know, I hear people talk about like what is a valid motivation for change? Mm-hmm. And so I would say any motivation is valid. Like right. whatever, whatever motivation someone has to change is great. Like, I love that. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Right. You know, nothing has to be perfect. Just whatever gets you up to do it. Well, I think people are like, you got to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I like, I that's not that. true. People say, yeah, they told me how to get clean for myself. I did it for my little sister. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, that's what I, I stay now. For yeah. Me. You well, know what I mean? It changes and stuff. But right. yeah, like. Doing it for my kids is for myself because, like, I'm. Uh, it's important to me to to be a Your parent. Father. Yeah, like mm-hmm. there's, there's, that's like the one of the most important things for me. Right, is to be a, be a kid or be a father to my children. So, how did you get clean? Well, you know, combination of in and out of treatment myself and going to jail. And okay. so, you know, I would try it myself sometimes. Would fail. Um, and then the last time I I went to jail. And I got early release to treatment. Um, and, and I remember, I remember they came and told me that I was not going to go to treatment uh, for whatever reason. Because mm-hmm. uh, I got in trouble. Because I got in trouble because some freaking, you know, two like rival gang members got in a fight when I first got into jail. And I was all disoriented and freaking dope sick. And they were fighting in there. Like, everywhere I went, there they were fighting. And I was just like, <laughs> and the cops were like yelling at me to, to sell in. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And they, you know, got me for insubordination. But anyways, so uh, I went to the hole and all this stuff. But like, poor me. But anyway, so I, went, so I remember I had geared up to do another run. And then they were releasing me, and then they told me they were taking me to, to treatment. I remember I was with this other dude, C.J. Appleton, dude. Um, he's doing hella good, too. I'm so proud of him. Uh, but he, we were leaving, and I remember contemplating just running. Because I had, like, a few <laughs> days left on my sentence, right. you know. And I was contemplating just running. Mm-hmm. 
to go get one more. And that's like crazy. You know what I mean? Right. Like I would have gotten a lot of trouble if I did that. Yeah. When I only had a Definitely few Definitely wouldn't be here. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who knows? But so anyway, so I went to I went to treatment at Volunteers of America. It was a six-month six program. When I got in there, I looked around and uh, and I saw a bunch of people who had like were a little bit more healthy than me um, eating, working out. And so I I decided I'd stay until I got healthy. Uh-huh. And and that was it, you know that that was it for me, um, you know. And so that was like when I got arrested on seven nineteen, uh, two thousand twelve. So a little over ten years ago, just barely, you know. And when I was in treatment, I began to find hope in the stories of other recovering people. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and find inspiration, and motivation to change. And I began to experience like the miracles of recovery or a change in perception or, or whatever it is, creator, God, whatever's out there, I, I begin to believe that there was something more for me in life. Yeah. And I be- begin to believe that I could be a father. And so, you know, my kid was three at the time, uh, Isabella. And so I began to work towards becoming a father, you know, and, uh, and I had these people who are in recovery come and, and pick me up and take me places and stuff, and I thought they were weird, you know, that they would do that, take me to the movies, guys take me to the movies and stuff, and I was like, mm-hmm. this is weird, what are you trying to do? Right. Trying to, like, get with me or something, I don't know. <laughs> right. Man. Like, weird stuff, man. We got so much to offer. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, it's like, no, I, trying to exploit me or whatever, and so then, I, uh, I'm trying to see how much time we got. Is that going no, you, down? You're, you're, okay, so, yeah, yeah I want to get into some of the good stuff, but anyway, so, I started to learn that there was a new kind of principled spiritual way to live my life and that if if I devoted myself to something mm-hmm. bigger than me mm. then I had meaning and purpose and all of a sudden all of those things that I thought about who I was in my circumstances didn't matter anymore because I was able to to help others and and you know what I mean and st- and, and stuff like that and so I found purpose in that yeah. meaning in my life right? i never that, had money service. right it's like that like you help others and you get your mind off of you and what you're going through and right. then god meets your needs and then sure. just... yeah that's what it was and, right. and so i was like inspired to do stuff and then i was going to this place called the miracles club and it's like a, a black recovery club and i was going there because there was like some some hitters there is what we called them mm-hmm. and we were reading like recovery literature like I do NA. That's mostly what I do. But I was I was learning a new way to live, and, and I was reading books written by people in recovery who had changed their life. And I was talking to people in recovery, and and, and I was doing these things, and life was starting to work. And I got my GED while I was in treatment, and I cried because that's the first thing I'd ever done in my life. And then mm-hmm. I got like twelve free credits to go to college, and I really wanted to go to college, so I went to college. And when I touched down in college, um, through those twelve free credits through the GED program at the jail, they were like, hey, we'll give you another free credit if you go to this recovery group once a week, right? And I was like, cool, like that's gonna give me like another 150 bucks mm-hmm. from my financial aid and I can get some shoes, you know? And I was like, cool. And so it was <laughs> right. in the Women's Resource Center and I was in there and this woman was like, you should start a recovery club and get into student government. And I was like- Cause they didn't have that yet. Well, they had it before or whatever, but they were like, yeah, so start one. So I started a recovery club and I was like, I'm going to destigmatize addiction and we're going to throw events and all this stuff. Wow. And so I did that and I got involved in student government and then I got involved in 4D through that 4D 
uh, like a recovery organization for young people. I got involved by through this big adolescent tri- event. It was really successful through the recovery club at 4D. And then they recruited me to be a part of the business. And then, you know, I got, I was like just learning that I had these skills. Right. You know, I was a good organizer. I was a good communicator. I had, I could like envision things and make them happen. And so, you know, I became like in student government. I was president of the honor society, which would have been like the geekiest dude you know, ever from when I was in high school, I'd have been like, what a loser, you know, right, right. I bet that dude who was ever that when I was in high school, I bet he's chilling, yeah, you know, or, or her or who they, knows? yeah, who <laughs> knows, you know, but, but anyway, so I just started to take the recovery principles that I learned, which were like, you know, give back, be a service, service. be esteemable, you know, S- you know, say what you are, you know, you mean, do what you say, just stuff like that, like spirit, these spiritual principles, and I started to apply them in other places in my life, in business, you know, in student government, in politics, you know, stuff like that. And things just be, you started to unfold, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, and I was like president of Portland Community College, which is the biggest school in Oregon. And I had like a vision of like putting a school on, or a student on the board of directors and like, everybody's like you're not gonna be able to do it and like i did it you know and wow. then like in like as a team it was like a team effort and then same thing i was like going to school full-time student by president and then i was running 4d back when we didn't have any staff you know at this little recovery center and um and people are like you ain't gonna be able to do all this stuff so at this time 4d was volunteer yeah it's a multi-million dollar organization now. Yeah, yeah it, back it was then, vo- volunteer only okay. yeah i volunteered like I, I was like the volunteer uh, director um, when we hired our first staff because we didn't have enough money to pay the like the leadership. So right. we hired staff to be mentors. So 4D was just like a mentor club. It was like a club, yeah, like a little club. You okay. know, we For had a little seven. Yeah, yeah, young okay. adults, 18 to 35. Well, back then it was 13 to 35, but we stopped mixing uh, young ins with old ins because just like kids. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and, and anyways, and so like, the point I'm trying to make is, like, I had, like, these dreams and ambitions I had started to create, and then there were so many people who told me I couldn't do it. Right. There was a lot. But then there was also people... Who told you you could. Well, or who just mentioned me, helped me, yeah, told me I could. You could, right. You know, and so I started to build, you know, a network of mentors. People right. that People that I trusted, that had done stuff in their life. Right. And, uh, and as I would meet these people, mm-hmm. I would be like, yo, will you mentor me? Yeah. Can you give me insight? You know what I mean? And, and that's important. Like, oh, when you meet somebody who is doing what you want or you, they have a little bit of what you want, you just go to them. Yeah, people who are successful, me? yeah. Like, yeah. what did you do? And then, you know, and they tell you what to do and you do it. Right. And then, like, shit works out for you, you know? Right, right, but, like, yeah. like, I have people ask me all the time, like, hey, man, how do I do this? And I lay it out for them and they do something different. And, yeah. it, you know, I mean, sometimes it doesn't work. And it's like, well, you know, like, you should have took my advice. Listen, right. Okay. Right, you know, not because I know everything, just because I have the experience and the knowledge, you know. Right. And so, like, I'm building 4D and stuff and um, and just, uh, like, applying spiritual principles to a business. And then I'm doing, like, organizing. Like, I learned a lot of about, like, organizing work. I learned a lot about, like, diversity and stuff. Um and then I also like just like when I was Portland um, Community College student body president, 
I worked with like just this hella diverse set of people with different experiences. Like mm-hmm. people who were like immigrants, first gov, gener- yeah, yeah, you everything. know what I mean? It's everything. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got to download a lot um, and learn about like what, like learn how to work with different people towards a common goal. Right. Which is really important. That's like how you make things happen, right? Movements happen like that. Yeah. And then, you know, um, anyways, so like, so like, you know, I've done a lot of like a lot of stuff, like help start, you know, Oregon's first, or, you know, like major advocacy organization for people in recovery. I'm one of the co-founders of that and I help start. Cause that's what you do. Like I see you and you work in public policy here mm-hmm. locally. Yeah, a lot. Destigmatizing addiction yeah. and, and us the normally hopeless people right and and that's what i'm wondering how did it get from there from you're in school and it's just like this volunteer thing and then all of a sudden you're way up here you have this multi-million dollar organization 4d has two locations currently right uh we got yeah we have three we're working on three three, yeah okay and And we have four okay so they're big centers and then um you have a 4d house yeah, we got a low recovery house, yeah. Okay, so what was that? Like, how did you go? Was it just a bunch of little steps? Was it, it is, one big man. thing? Okay, so I you mean, just set yourself up in the right Well, you, I mean, people want to know, like, my, my perspective on success, like, it's it's grit, you know, and, and being humble. And, and it's, you know, if you if you want to accomplish something, like really magnificent then you have to do all the little things that right. that people don't want to do the little things that people don't want it's do, the little right. things right mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's the and it's the consistency and it's the day in day out and it's you know uh putting the work first before yourself you know it's it's putting not, the work before yourself yeah, okay so like listen, that selflessness that's what i hear a common theme is selflessness and service yeah selflessness and service but you also got to be smart you know about what you do and not grow too big and not pretend to be something you're not and, and be humble. You know, I was like, uh, you know, I try to stay humble now, you know, and yeah, you're very humble and, and look at the team effort and help build up other people. And so like, that's for like, I run 4d. We have, you know, we have like 55 staff right now. And then we, um, you know, we, we, we incubate other orgs, right? So we go out and, help other organizations like ours that are like specific to various communities and stuff. Mm. We help them get grants and teach them how to, how to run a business and stuff. So we have, you know, we have two of those right now that we, we help and we partner with. That's Jared. If you have him on here and then we're about to help, you know, start another one called true colors and it'll be like a LGBTQ recovery org. Right. And so people will think that, okay, if, if I'm going to run a business, I need to be, um, you know, uh, centric around my own business, right? I need to be about me and my business and stuff. But what I found, well, what, what, what I found is that you can, you can help others and then you will get success off of that. And it, yeah, I was That's gonna say, I, I remember found. Oprah saying something like that. Like she just wanted to serve. She wanted to help people. That's what I and had. in return, she became like one, you know, like like I was doing all this free training and consulting work for people and teaching people how to build businesses and helping you know, like institutions be better with recovery and stuff. I was doing it for years for free. Like I just had people come to the center when I was volunteering. I'd be breaking stuff down for them. And now, you know, besides 4D, now I have a training and consulting company where people will pay me good money to help them because there's money available, you know, and so I'll take money, you know, to help people. And then, you know, uh, and then some people I won't if it's like a, 
you know, somebody doesn't have that, I'll help them on GP, but then I also get paid. So, but I didn't start out like, I want to be a consultant. I want to do these, all these trainings right. and stuff. I just started off like, I need to do this to make things better. And then the money came later, you know, and the more I help people, just the more I get, you know, and that's something that my grandma always said, you know, it's better to give than receive, receive you know, right. and the more I took, the less I had, you know, for a long time. And so now I just that's try to, true. I try to give, you know, and there's different leadership styles and stuff. And I have my own. And, and, you know, if you want to like look up how I, how I try to be a leader, I, it's called servant leadership. But I like, I also went through like a leadership development program at Portland community college where, you know, we would research a topic and then like a social issue and then the school would pay us to go to like new orleans and help with katrina and then fly to dc and, and contact our legislators and learn how to lobby like lobby, they taught yeah. us that like they taught us how to go to a, a banquet and and start with your silverware from the outside in and and you know what and fork etiquette. you you mm -hmm. right like with little knife and little yeah, things where do you put your napkin mm -hmm. and so i just I, you know i've learned a lot but i think you know, you know, being genuine is an important part of how I do things and how I persuade people to do things now because I go out and I persuade people to do stuff like right. policymakers and legislators say, and stuff. Right. And you are because I'm, I'm a lobbyist. I do policy work. So I see your name, you know, and these people are not a lot like us. You know what I mean? How do you go into situations where you know you want to partner with someone or you want to make your brand bigger or just serve more? That's what you do. Um, how do you connect with these people? Like what mindset do you go in there with? Um, you know, I just try to, I just try to be kind to people, um, uh, for the most part, you know, there's some people that you gotta like hit with the hammer, but you know, like I just try to be kind, uh, respectful, honor people's time, um, and be genuine about what I'm trying to accomplish. Be genuine. Be yeah. Kind. You're real simple. It's real <laughs> yeah, simple stuff. It is, it is but mm -hmm. it's like you, but like, so you know, it's like I've by keeping my word and doing what I'm going to say I'm going to do and by being more than just someone who talks about stuff, you know, I've earned credibility in the community over a long time. And yeah. so, like, I like I can go to places and say things that other people can't and won't be taken seriously, whether that's like. I'm a white dude and I go into different spaces and talk to stuff like in different communities and stuff. It's cause like for the most part I've earned that. Right. And even if people don't know me the way that I carry myself because I've been in those situations and I know that spiritually I'm, I'm right and I'm centered and what I'm doing is ethical and moral and, and, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm leading with like my it. heart and my spirit right. and what's right. You know what I mean? And I'm coming in a good way. You're going to make me cry. Then I'm not yeah. tripping. Right. About what people are going to think for the most part. Like, I'm not being, you know, I'm trying not to be arrogant when I go in, but I'm confident, you know, right. and that confidence has been earned over time. And, the, you know, like, I'm also confident in the fact that I'm going to fail constantly. I'm going to fail every day. But you're okay with it because you've done that and you've gotten well, back Well, because, you know, success is paved with failure. That's how you get success is that you fail over and over and over again. And every time you fail, you get a little bit better. You fail again, you get a little bit better. You evolve, you get a little bit better. And you just get accustomed, accustomed to failing and not being, you know, knowing you're not there yet. You're never just, there. Right, continuing on. Yeah, you're never there. It's every yeah. day. You're going to get better. You're going to sharpen up. You're going to learn a new tool, you, you know, or skill. You're going to get a new tool to, in your bag to accomplish what you want. And that's just like uh, just a part of the process. Right. If you stop when you fail... 
Never get nowhere. You're not gonna get nowhere. Stop at that failure. Yeah. Right. Um, I know you like Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, you, you've you've quoted him. Yeah. What is your favorite? Um, what's your favorite lyric from Nipsey Hussle? Well, I wouldn't say that. You know, I have a favorite lyric, but what what I'll say is that like I study people, mm. right? And the thing like Nipsey Hussle's music's cool. Like, you know, like my favorite artist is J. Cole, but it's just more his style. But like the thing I like about Nip- Nipsey Hussle that I like try to incorporate in my own life is like he it seems like i don't know him personally but it seems like he was about building other people up you know and and, yeah Mm -hmm. and it's you know i never want to get to a place again where it's like crabs in a bucket i don't know if you know what that means but i know exactly what yeah where everybody's just dragging each other down i see a lot of that and so i try to live my life and building other people up around me like you know i've like been able to buy homes and, and do stuff that has unlocked my future, my economic future. Right. And so I try to get people to try to get people money. Right. And teach them how to use money and, and create wealth and stuff, you know, or develop businesses or whatever. But the, the point is is that when I look around at my, my, my community and my team, I'm thinking, like, what ways can I make my team better? Right. Yeah, building them up. Right. Like legacy. Like, right. Like cause they say that leaders make leaders. Yeah. Um or create leaders. If you had, and I just, I want to get this, um, cause for people watching out there, um, and then myself, if you had any advice for, um, people in the process of recovery or not knowing if they want to stay or if this is right for them or, or if it's paying off, you know, what advice would you give them? You know, like you, uh, you don't know like the, you know, the miracles that are like on the other side of tomorrow, you know, like you just, you just don't only five minutes before you don't know. And life is, life is great because it's really, really good. And it really, really sucks. And, and it, and it flows like that, you know, so it flows up and down. So you get to experience the highs and the lows and that's part of it. And so acknowledge your lows because you're going to have the highs so don't give up today you know on the low because the highs coming sometime you know yeah so i appreciate you well where can people find you uh yeah people can find me on um facebook you know tony vizina on facebook um people can always look up 4d recovery you know uh then you know that's pretty pretty much it. I mean, you can call me. You know, five zero three seven three four zero four seven four. You can call. That's my number. Okay. You know, don't like call me with no crazy stuff. But if you need help, you can reach out. You know what I mean? So yeah, find me there. Find me out here in Portland somewhere doing oh. something. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you're you welcome. for coming and um, telling your story. I appreciate you. Yeah, no worries. All right. All right. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening. Please like, share, subscribe, and visit our website at mercedessecondchance.com.